This is week four, Setting the Table. It's a series on worship. And um, I just want to lay the groundwork and bring everybody back up to speed. If you set the table, he will come. If you build a life of worship, he will come. And if you do your part, he will do his part. You build a life of worship, he will come and bless your life. Week one, we talked about the woman at the well. Her life was a mess. Jesus had to go by and he met with her and he said, I, the way out of this mess of your brokenness, and this, is, this was a woman who was messed up, he said, if you'll learn to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, you can come out of that. Week number two, we talked about the calling that we have to be priests. And um, we can either be consumers or priests. Consumers inevitably become critics. And then they go on Google reviews and Yelp reviews. Priests understand that God calls us to worship. And priests who understand worship understand that worship is a sacrifice. And so we understood that God's called us, all of us, to be priests. And then last week we talked about the word from Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5, where God says, my, my desire, what I want is to come to your house. And for my glory, listen, to not visit, but to dwell there. He said, to abide where you live. And that's important. It's one thing for us to get his glory here. But most of us are here about an average of two hours a week. Some of you more than that. But you're at your house a long time with your kids. And while we need his glory here and we're thankful, we've experienced it. You need it at your house more desperately than you need it here. The good news is you can get it both places. And the prophet said, if, if, you, let, if you build a place, if you'll let my spirit get rid of all the, the filth, Isaiah 4 verse 2, then I will come and abide there. And my presence will be for you and your children a covering. And it will be a covering that protects you from the storm. And we don't have to think back too long about the damage a storm can do. I have friends from Tampa and in central Florida. You saw some of those boats. That storm hit hard. That's a physical storm. We are in a spiritual storm right now. It's hard to find the truth. We're being deprogrammed. There's all kinds of craziness going on. And the Lord wants his glory to come in this room and your room, your kitchen. How many of you want at your kitchen, in your living room, on your cul-de-sac? You want his presence. You want his glory there. Come on, amen? Now, speaking of glory at your house, last week we said, and I just want to remind you, it's not just where you live. It is where you live, but oikos is the New Testament word for house. Everybody say oikos. And it means four different realms of influence. First is your house, your address, where you live. Woodstock, Canton, Roswell, Alpharetta, wherever it is. The second is your oikos, your house, is your relationships, your blood relatives, immediate family, extended family. God says, I want to get my glory there to impact all of them. Third is where you work, the people on your team, the people near your cubicle or the people you associate with, that's your oikos too. And he wants his glory there. And we all want his glory there. And then lastly is the people with whom you have influence, your realm of influence. Now, speaking about house, let's talk about our house. Candace and I for years have said we want our house to be a sanctuary. And that is a place where God, and he doesn't visit, but he abides. And if it's a sanctuary where he's welcome, we've learned we set the table, he comes. 
And not everything's perfect. Our marriage, we've had to work through issues. We've raised children in North Atlanta, seven of them, five boys, two girls. And so we, we've learned to navigate some stuff. But all in all, I'm thankful that we have come to know his presence at our house. You can experience it. And it makes a difference. It makes marriage work. It makes parenting easier when you're dealing with difficult children being raised in a topsy-turvy world. But we're thankful that our home has become a sanctuary. And the second term that we've used is we want our home to be a greenhouse. And what's a greenhouse? A greenhouse is a, a place where plants, little embryonic plants, seeds are dropped into the perfect soil in little containers. And it's the perfect conditions of water and humidity and temperature. And those little seeds become plants. In our home, we have said, we want, we want it to be like that as perfectly as we can. We want to create a sanctuary where God is here and our children germinate because the day will come where they're not in the greenhouse protected from the elements of the world. They'll, they'll one day get planted in the real world. And then they'll, it'll be up to them to get those roots to do Psalm chapter 1 and get down. And then whatever they do, they will prosper because they're rooted and they're planted by streams of living water. This church, you know, I just say these things so we can embrace kind of the principles of what I think youth ministry should be about. Our youth ministry is not really an evangelistic outreach ministry as much as it is a discipleship ministry. It, too, is a greenhouse in these formative years. Now, we're open to people, kids who don't know the Lord, and we have many of them. And almost every Wednesday, somebody, a kid gets saved. But we're not selling out or programming our youth ministry in today's world as an outreach ministry. It's a, it's a greenhouse where we want our kids to understand this sanctuary is a greenhouse. And when they gather so that they can get rooted. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you know our kids in today's world need to be protected from the storm so that they can get rooted and grow. And when young men and women are discipled, then they become great outreach billboards for the Lord. And they'll lead people to Christ. And so, in the name of Jesus, Lord, may this always be a sanctuary. May it be a greenhouse where people are growing and getting rooted in perfect conditions. Now, our text this morning, I want to talk to you about this. If you get rid of the garbage, God will bring the glory. How many of you know um, garbage gets old and starts to stink? And you got to get it out, and then you got to have somebody come by and pick it up, or stuff will grow in there. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And so... I want to talk to you about, there's some stuff possibly at your house that's keeping God from coming. Your, the table isn't fully set, and he hasn't been coming. It's not a sanctuary for him. Now, in the Old Testament, there's an interesting passage of Scripture in Leviticus chapter 14, verses 33 through 57. So everybody listen closely. It's the children of Israel as they've come out of Egypt they're in the 40 years in the wilderness, and they're not yet in the place of promise, the promised land. And God tells Moses, who's in charge, and Aaron, his assistant. Now, when you come into the land of promise, 
You're going to get to move into some houses that you didn't build. How many of you know? That'd be nice. And, but you, you're going to need to know. You're going to have to do some ghost busting in those houses. Because the Canaanites and Amorites, who were a wicked, wicked people, all kinds of immorality, they were literally sacrificing their infants, their children, to their false demonic gods. And so God was getting them ready. As my people, when you go in and you move into those houses, there's some things you need to know. And uh, what you need to know is this. Verse 34, he says, I have put leprosy on the wall. Leprosy. Can a, leprosy is something a body has, not a building. And God's saying, no, I'll put leprosy in that house. God, why would you do that? He says, I'll put leprosy there. In the first 32 verses of this chapter, he tells them how to deal with leprous people. And leprosy, as you probably know, it's kind of like COVID, except it's a whole lot worse. It, it was incurable. It was contagious. And it, it, it was a slow, painful death. And it brought about incredible isolation. And God said, in those homes, I put leprosy. And he told them what to do to get rid of it. And you go, God, why would you do that? It's the Midrash, the rabbinical teachings of the Jewish people. And we find out in those commentaries what was happening, why God put that there. And what we find out is when they did go into the promised land and move into those homes and they saw that leprosy and they did what God told them to do to get rid of it, they discovered, as it were, behind the sheetrock, there was gold there. And you go, why was there gold? Because the Canaanites and Amorites had heard the people of God were miraculously delivered from Egypt. And they're coming through. And God is, they don't have any weapons to fight. And they're winning every battle as they come through the wilderness. And word has it, they're coming here. And so they took their precious gold and put it behind the sheetrock. But it wasn't just neutral, precious gold. It was gold that had been shaped into the forms of their demonic false gods. And they worshipped them. And so we see that the artisans who dealt with that gold, the jewelers, if you will, were like all artists. You, you do things that, you market things that support, support the values of that culture. And so God was saying, when you move into that house, you're going to need to be aware it's haunted. Now you may not know it, but I put leprosy there so that you'll notice that something's not right. And there's something behind it that's worse than what you see. And we've got to deal with that. And God tells them, here's what you've got to do. Two things. You've got to purge that house, and then you've got to release praise. He told them, when you discover, how many of you are all tracking with me? When you discover that, go get the priest and tell him, I've got leprosy in my house. My house has leprosy. The priest will come and get everybody out. They'll scrape it off. Everybody stays out for seven days. Then they go back in. And if it's come back, you are to scrape it off, take those stones outside of the city and grind them down to powder and do away with them. If it comes back again, 
Then you're to tear down the whole house, get rid of it, take it all. And the Bible says the, the timber, the stones, and the plaster, take it all out. God was serious about what was behind those walls. And he was saying, you're going to have to deal with that. Now, in this room, there are those of us who go, we see everything as either physical or spiritual. But seldom do we ever realize physical buildings most often possess or are influenced by spiritual beings, be it good or bad. And we know that to be the truth. Um, everywhere we go, you go into a restaurant, you can kind of pick up on the spirit of the place. When you came here to this church for the first time, your insight, you were really keen on, is this a healthy place? Is God here? And you looked at the people, and you saw the glory of the Lord on their faces. You heard the word of the Lord, and you decided, and you knew there's a spirit of this place. And there is, everywhere we go. I was at um, New Orleans a couple weeks ago for, at a conference, and got off at the elevator in my hotel, and it said, you know, at this restaurant, in the hotel, food, wine, and spirits. I mean, that's like right out in, the, in your face. And, and so most of us go, you know, we're either, oh, they're spirits, and we're too fearful, or we're dismissive. And God doesn't want us to be dismissive, and he doesn't want us to be fearful. Why? Because he has given us authority. I said he has given us authority. He brings those things to our attention, and we have a choice to make. And if we stand to scrape that, purge that, he will purge that place. Are y'all out there? Now, as we look at this, um, I'm reminded of several things. You know, I was in Augusta, Georgia doing my senior internship in the summer of 1988. And it's a church now called Stevens Creek Church. And it was Church of the Harvest, and they had just planted that church. And um, they were, we began operating out of a hotel, and then... There was a church that was closing down, and it was closing down, and the denomination said, you can have it. And so we took our church, about 200 people at that time, and we started meeting in there. And how many of you know, uh, there was a reason that church closed down. And after we were in there for one Sunday, we were like, we don't know what the reason is, but we don't want to find out. And the pastor called the other pastors all over the city of Augusta, and they did a ghost-busting prayer service and anointed that place. How many of you know Ghostbusters is real? Holy Ghostbusters. And, um, and we prayed, and that church now has three, is in three different campuses. It's, they'll have over 4,000 people worship this weekend. And so this stuff is real. And, and our churches have to be purged so they can be a sanctuary, so the table can be set. Your home, the same. Now, it's not only purging it, but it's also you've got to release praise. How do we deal with it? First of all, let me ask, let me, let me tell you something. In your house, there is a presence. There is a, it's either pro-God or anti-God. It's really not neutral. We think they are. It's a sanctuary or it's not. And so... If it's not, first thing you got to do is understand there is a presence. We know this. Number two, you've got to understand if it's a negative, anti-God, evil presence, its mission is to oppress the Father's work. Third thing you've got to understand is you need not fear it. 
You need not fear it. You can deal with it. God's word showed them how, and he's shown us how to deal with it. Fourthly is, you just start setting the table in steadfast praise, and it cannot win against you. I said, it cannot win against you. Is there a spirit coming against your children? You begin to set the table in praise. It cannot have your children. Is there a spirit at work in your marriage? You set the table in worship and let the enemy know you're claiming your marriage. You've set the table for your marriage and God is coming and is going to restore and, say, and make that marriage a sanctuary for him. Y'all are not out there. Is there... Is there something going on in your home that you, it's oppressive. It's, it's, not, it's not promoting the things of God. Set the table for worship. And look at me. I, I, I can see it on your faces. Some of you are looking at me like, uh, we never thought about that. Like, how do you do that? You make it simple. You begin to praise the Lord where you are. You begin to speak his praise you begin to offer up worship there. You purge it, and then you fill it with praise. It's one thing to purge it. It's another thing to fill it with praise. In Matthew chapter 12, what happened? Jesus told the story about the woman who got delivered. And, and the devil came out of her, and Jesus said, we need to get the Holy Spirit in her right now because the spirit that came out goes and finds seven other Kindred spirits that are stronger than that one. And they come back and knock on the door trying to get back into that lady's life. And they'll get back in there if the Holy Spirit's not in there. But if the Holy Spirit, the pro-God spirit, is in there, the, whole, the enemy and the evil spirit can't get back in. How many of you want the Holy Spirit in your home? No, you don't. We got 18 people. And I'm, I'm coming. If you don't, you can be neutral. You can be neutral. But you'll be vulnerable. It's time some of you men stand up and say, I'm getting in the game. This is real. Our house has leprosy. There's things coming against us. And you need to get in the game and begin to offer up praise to God and claim your houses in the name of Jesus. Now, you look at the praise. Look what God said. Purge it, scrape it off, get rid of it if it comes back. Praise. Look, verse 48. Well, from our text, if the priest comes in and examines it, and, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house, then the, the priest shall announce the house is clean. Verses 49 through 53, the priest then, here's what he's told to do. Take two birds, kill one of them, catch the blood, take the other bird and dip it in the blood. Now, that, what's this a picture of? Jesus, the cross, blood, a priest, there's a sacrificial offering. And you may go, this sounds weird. You know what's weird? Have you seen the, what's going viral, what happened in the little preschool in Mississippi? The teachers come out with Halloween masks and the little toddlers are frightened, scared to death. It's incredible. That's, that's weird. You know what's weird? Our whole nation is getting ready to celebrate Hallow's Eve this month. And nobody sees that as weird. Y'all are not out there or you're out there. And the Holy Spirit is here. And, and he said, take the two birds. Then one's the sacrifice. The other is the scapegoat. 
One dies and one goes free. Take that one out and let him go free. Then take the blood and sprinkle it seven times around the house. And then the priest shall call it clean. That's how you purge and you cleanse and you, pr you praise to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. I just, in the name of Jesus, I want to I pray right now. I just sense the, the enemy would come against us. There was a lot more freedom in the first service. God is speaking, and the enemy does not want going out what's going out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for the confidence and the peace in knowing that your word is going forth and the enemy would love to come and steal the seed before it ever gets in the ground. How many of you have raised your heart and say, I want my heart to be soft soil. I want the word to come in and transform me, my marriage, my children, my family, and our house. I want my house to be a sanctuary. Come on, raise your other hand and say, today my house is going to be a sanctuary like it's never been before. Now lift up praises to the Lord if you mean that. Lift up praises. Come on. Lift up a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. Now, cleansing our homes is one thing, but it's another to purge it and, and put praise in there. And that's good, but some of us, there's a flesh that we've got to deal with too. Some of us, if we cleanse our home, our flesh would leave doors open, windows open, and invite the enemy back in. And so we've got to deal with that. So Pastor Chuck, what, what can we do? These two things, and then I've got a list under number two. First, fill your house with worship. I've already talked about it. Number two, let me, let me just fill you. What, practically speaking, what's that look like? Present your body daily as a living sacrifice. So you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your body daily and literally to the Lord in worship. Stand in the morning or kneel. Lift your hands, not as a ritual performance, but as a demonstration statement. Start the day before anything else. You know, roll out of bed. Like I, I do, and I just kneel at my bed, and I just pray, Lord, I give you this day. Candace is just across the bed, and it's usually in the dark when my body wants coffee first. And I, I'm serious, and I just say, Lord, I give you this day. Sometimes before I, I get out of the bed, before my foot hits the ground, and you've heard me talk about this, I just say, Holy Spirit, I give you this day. Don't, don't, don't see that as, does that really matter? Start your day that way. That's what it looks like. Give him the, then run down and get the coffee. And then you'll thank God for the sweet caffeine that he comes, he gives you. Number two, assess the details of your life. What happens in your home and what you allow to happen in your home. A leprous house may be the raw, rejected, practical, spiritual principles for wholeness in living in your home with Jesus Christ. Or it might, there might be a smartphone that you've gotten careless with and your 14-year-old, 15-year-old son or daughter used to bring it up at 9 p.m. And now they don't. Assess the details. I can remember Brandon, our oldest, who was the guinea pig because he was the oldest. He had a laptop and he, he was down on the main floor. Now all the other bedrooms were upstairs. And he was either late elementary school or sometime in middle school. And he runs up back. How many of you remember pop-ups? 
you know, if something could pop up and you try and close that one out and it opens up. And I remember Brandon running in our room one night after we were asleep and he said, Dad, help. And it was pornography and just, just, just cascading all over the place. And thank God he came to us. And we had to then put up some new boundaries and the, the computer can only be used at this time in this place and it's set out there for the whole family to see. Brothers and sisters, most of us grew up in a day to get that stuff. We had asked for it and it had to be a certain age and it was across the, across the counter, but not so anymore. It comes to our children. They've got to run from it and we've got to build a greenhouse to protect them from the storm of immorality that's coming after their minds. So we assess the details. Now under that, there's seven things. I've got them listed, A, B, C. Number one, have you compromised anywhere in your choice of friends or activities? Is that, what, is that possibly what's keeping your home from being a home where you've set the table for him to come? Ephesians 5 says, tells us to have no fellowship with the works of darkness. And I'm not talking about an insensitive, snobbish, conservative, we're better than them. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about, listen to me, a discerning ability to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4, I mean 6, verse 14. Letter B, number two. Do you maintain in your home obedience to parents? It's your job. Romans 1, 28 through 32 outlines a stark list of the things that pervade the world and destroy societies. Among the sexually immoral, wicked, murderers, deceitful, haters of God, violent, we see disobedient to parents. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 14 teaches that parents who do not require obedience have set their children's spiritual GPS destination for hell. The earlier you require obedience from your children, the better. Obedience from children is as important as worship is at your house. Can I get a witness from any parents out here? Can I get a witness from any parents out here? Can I get a witness from the kids up there? You all want the guardrails of obedience. How many know the parents want it a little more than the kids? How many of you know for all of us? I'm not kidding. This, this is not fun, easy preaching. How many of you know it's necessary? Our world is, glorifies rebelliousness and it creates disorder. And there will be no table set in a home that honors disobedience. I'm going to say amen for me. Y'all want to join in? Amen. amen, Pastor Chuck. That's exactly right. Way to preach. Number three, letter C. Do you participate in any lying, dishonesty, or untruthfulness? Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, and many other places talk about this. Do not lie. I know what kind of culture I'm speaking into. I was a country boy in Virginia, but I've been in North Atlanta for 33 years. Do not lie. Don't manipulate. Don't misrepresent the facts or tell white lies. Number four, do you exercise impure joking or speech? The culture is becoming more and more seared. And Hebrews tells us that's a dangerous place to be. We're seared in our consciences more and more every day. We are vulnerable to becoming desensitized. And that is why we are to continually 
be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Y'all out there? Next, letter E. Do you sample or practice any known disobedience? Food, nicotine, alcohol, drugs. Your body, remember, like your house, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. While these may not be heaven or hell issues that threaten the security of your salvation, we would be wise to remember our accountability as stewards of what God has given us. Real deliverance from binding habits and addictions flows from true repentance. Number six, letter F. Have you given astrology or occult practices any place at all? Horoscopes. The old magic eight ball, fortune cookies. I love good Asian food, but many people are, don't, don't read the daily. Don't go on the websites and check out what's your horoscope. Many of us are vulnerable. And I know this sounds like, Pastor Chuck, are you stuck in 1968? What is going on here? The stuff that's come into the church. I love good Asian food. I even eat some at times their like Taco Bell tasting, whatever that thing is called a fortune cookie. And sometimes I read it, but I'm mature enough and not, not so vulnerable that I can read it no matter what it says, good or bad. I don't receive that curse or that blessing from that place. Am I preaching the truth this morning? I'm asking for you, not for me. I know what I'm preaching. And I'm preaching it, that we can set the table in our homes. Do not play around with those, dial a number and talk to someone who can give you your destiny. Don't stop by. You, I'm a pastor. I've counseled people in this church who've talked to palm readers. It's crazy. It's lunacy. Don't do it. Open up the book. Let God tell you what your fortune is. Let him tell you what your destiny is. Let him tell you the truth. Of, come on, somebody. If you know it's the truth, praise his name. Praise his name. Hallelujah. We need to be careful. In Acts chapter 19, you can see where Paul went in and all those people were getting saved in Ephesus where there were all kinds of occultic practice, practices. They went and brought all of their, their jewelry and all those trinkets, and they burned them in the fire. May the Lord help us be delivered from all of that wicked witchcraft. You know what? Just Holy Spirit. You know, in this church recently, um, Caroline shared with me a few weeks ago, a young girl in the youth group, it was either her first or second time and Caroline said, I think they were ninth or 10th grade girls, and it was small group time. And she said, would anybody like to share their story? And that was the whole deal. They were going to practice just sharing their story. And this girl just, boop, raised her hand. And she told the story about recently her life had been turned around, that she had lived for years with an overwhelming, crippling anxiety, a spirit telling her, you're dying. Not you're going to, you are dying. They took her regularly to the emergency room. And just this year, 
somehow her parents discovered a voodoo book in her bedroom. They got rid of it that day. The next morning, she woke up and has not had that attack in her mind since. Come to find out, her grandmother got that for her Easter Sunday when she was eight years old. And the praise report is, God put the leprosy on the wall. They discovered it, got rid of it. Y'all, I'm not, this happened in September. This story came to us. This is our, these are our children. And you go, I, I know my voice. I got one more service. I need to back off and just save myself. Pray for me. But how, how does, what do we do? How does it, it was probably in the children's section. And the grandparent didn't see it as leprosy and got it. And that's the world we're growing up in. That's the things that Christians are regularly allowing in their homes. And sometimes they may not know it. And so thank God sometimes when he puts leprosy on the wall to get our attention. And sometimes what's happening in your child's attitude, what's, what's happening is God waking you up. What's happening this moment? God is, has your pastor preaching a sermon saying, you can get my glory at your house. God is following up Isaiah 4 verse 5 last week. Here's how to get my glory to come. Here's how to set the table. And in the name of Jesus, how many of you say, bring it on, Lord God. We want more of your glory. We want our children impacted by your presence, by your glory. How many of you know this is the truth? Come on. In the name of Jesus. Now, the last thing, what about the pornographic or obscene? I know it's everywhere. Men, you're going to need to make a covenant with your eyes and probably make a covenant with a few other brothers. We need to be careful. What our sons are seeing in the name of Jesus, what our daughters are now seeing, God deliver us. I got to close this sermon in the next couple of minutes. Everybody look here. I was preparing this sermon, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And I got up from my office and I went in and I asked Banks, who's on staff, and I asked Caroline, she's Dylan, our youth pastor's assistant. I said, um, what was the difference for you guys growing up in our home? Knowing our home hadn't been perfect. And we've struggled at times. But we, the Lord has blessed. Even today, this morning, the stuff Candace shared with me between services, things God put in her heart that I preached today, her having no idea. And um, Banks said, without in any rehearse, no, no rehearsing or giving them, just right up out of the, his experience, he said, my first memory was mom dropping me off at, for kindergarten at five years old and speaking the Lord's blessing over my life. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious. In this series, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to preach about it. It's more than just a couple verses of scripture. There's a power released in that. Caroline went on to say, the thing I remember is every time mom dropped us off, everywhere she took us at school, ballet, cheerleading, she would drop us off and she would say, H-S-B-Y-G. And that meant, let the Holy Spirit be your guide and she said let the Holy Spirit be your guide until they got older and then it, that became their deal Banks went on to share she said, he said dad when we were younger and you all we didn't trick or treat at our house and we didn't understand why and as we got older we realized why and um, in our cul-de-sac over at Laurel Springs where all the families gathered, it was the biggest holiday celebrated on our street as a street. And they were right out in our, and we went down there, fellowshiped with them. We weren't the weird Christians, but we didn't do everything they did. And whenever all the kids went off to trick or treat, ours didn't. They went into the backyard and we watched a movie. And Banks mentioned, it was amazing how as we got older, our friends on the street cut their trick-or-treating in half and came back early to go to the Ramsey's backyard and watch the movie. And it was usually a movie Candace picked out. It was like, turn or burn, heaven or hell, you know. It, it wasn't that bad. But it, it, Candace, the candy, we didn't go, no, we're not giving candy away. We gave away candy with handwritten this woman, handwritten Bible verse, and they weren't benign little side door Bible, they were convicting verses. And for our children, and listen, this is awkward for me to stand up here and talk to you about my children, but I haven't, we haven't done everything right, but our kids, from the oldest to the youngest, they love the Lord, and some of them are still working through some things. And this is from their mouth, not mine. What was it like? This is two kids that are on our staff. And I have great respect for you as a man of God, Pastor Ramsey. You weren't always perfect. But look where you are. You're in the promised land. Because you didn't have to deal with leprosy and demonic spirits that limited you and kept you in the wilderness. And your sister who is away celebrating her anniversary. She's a mighty woman of God. Just like her mother. And so I'm speaking to you, kids, and to you parents. Let's set the table at home. Let's get rid of the leprosy. Pastor Joe, what's that look like? My kids are grown and gone. Listen to me. I'm glad you asked that question. You're still a living epistle. Some of you dads, all your kids, maybe they now have kids. Get on the phone with them and just say, call them by name and ask them for their forgiveness. Tell them how much you, tell them, I just realized today, I, I don't think I ever told you how proud, or often enough how proud I am of you. Ask them. If, if, if you could tell me, Dad, pray for one thing for me, what would it be? And you may go, that's awkward. That's okay. It was awkward to get, to scrape leprosy off the wall. But set the table Go through the awkward 
You wives who are going, Pastor Chuck, it's not me. My husband keeps bringing junk into our home. What do I do? Do what we did with our kids. Put some Bible verses in his pillowcase. Ghost bust that bedroom. Holy Ghost bust it. Get him a Bible and just say, dedicated to you on this day and leave that day open. Save it for when he comes to the Lord. And, and go ahead and sign and tell him how grateful you are for what God's done in his life. Pastor Chuck, are you serious? Yeah. Activate your faith. Let God set the table in that bedroom and let, let the kingdom of God come in there and invade that bedroom. How many of you know, this is not out of the realm of possibility for our God. How many of you know, every unsaved husband who's connected to this church could come to know the Lord in a real and powerful way. Are y'all out there? Come on, if you're going to clap your hands, clap them unto the Lord. Stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, in, in the name of Jesus, help us to get rid of the garbage knowing you will get the glory in. Help us to set the table in the name of Jesus. I wish I had 10 minutes to open up these altars for people to come and repent. Everybody look at me here in the eye. I don't want to play games with you right now since his anointing in this place. What happens that's most important isn't the response right now. That we go, amen, that's awesome, I agree. What, and we get in the parking lot, ride the shuttle back to our car and say, wasn't that a good sermon? That's not, that won't count. I'm praying for you men and women to have conversations. That list, are there some things that we need to, to get out so God can come in? How many of you right now, with no heads bowed, all eyes looking around, the way we do it around here, how many of you would say, God's speaking to me. There's some stuff we got to get rid of. There's some things we got to do different. There's some things we got to stop saying and some things. There's some stuff in our refrigerator. There's some stuff on our computer. There's some, th how many of you say, God is speaking to me right now. Look around. Just hold your hands up. We're accountable to each other. Hold them up high in the name of Jesus. Now, how many of you take the other hand and say, with his help, we're going to cleanse our home. We're going to purge it. And we're going to fill it with praise and worship. Now, how many of you will act like, and his glory is coming too, Pastor Chuck, just like his word promises, in the name of Jesus. So, Father, let your glory fall in our homes. Let joy be restored, peace in our marriages, transformation in our children, in the mighty name of Jesus. Sanctify our schools, our Christian, our private Christian schools that are more private than they are Christian. Sanctify our churches. Create our youth groups, Lord, because there is so much more. You are dying. You are seeking places where the table is set for you. And we welcome you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace that goes beyond understanding. Guard your heart, how you feel. Peace that guards your mind and how you think. In Jesus' name. Everybody come on, just say it. I receive it. 
If you're thankful for the word of the Lord this morning, can we lift up praise and gratitude to the Lord? We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Let your glory come in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Get out of here so the next crowd can get in here. May your fellowship be brief and anointed, especially brief. Shout Jesus from the mountain.